I do. And I do too. We believe, believe in, in America, America here on, on the Godfather, Godfather Minute. Minute. I'm Alex Robinson. And I'm the co-host, Andy Robinson. And we are here discussing the classic film, The Godfather, in bite-sized one-minute chunks. We're chunking up the entire movie one chunk at a time. Chunking the hell out of this thing. We are up-chunking it. All over the place. Right, probably, we probably ran that one as much as we uh, want to do. Is there any scene where anyone is vomiting in the movie? Because we should come back to the oh, whole yeah, That's a good question. Seems like there should be. And yeah, with every, all the violence and blood and gore. Yeah, and also people getting uh, drunk and uh, like maybe Fredo, but I can't think of it anytime. We'll keep an eye out for that. Well, if no one up chunks, maybe we should and then revisit these jokes. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll definitely. I think by the end, we'll probably be the last like. Maybe 10 weeks of the show will just be us up-chunking constantly. Uh, anyway, we're here discussing minute three of The Godfather. The third minute. It starts off with our old friend uh, Bonacera explaining how his daughter was beaten up by these thugs. And, uh, you know, she used to be beautiful and she's never going to be beautiful again. And how she had to have her jaw wired shut. Oh, that sounds terrible. And he continues telling the story of how his daughter was attacked. Does he get into the conclusion of his story during this minute? Uh, Does he finish it? I think that's the next minute. He definitely he definitely knows how to spin a story to keep you on the edge of your seat. He's like, you know, he's really slow playing it. He's not just like, hey, my daughter got beat up. Can you go, uh, you know, can you take care of this for me? <laughs> well, it's interesting. We talked about how a little bit of the cinematography and how they're, they're zooming out from Buenos Aires and normally... I guess the more traditional move, the more traditional play would be to zooming into a character's face uh, during a minute like this. Oh, that's actually one of the things I like about it is that it, it's it's a really slow pan out from this character. You don't know like who he is. You don't know who he's talking to. You don't know where he is. And uh... I mean, if they zoom out far enough, I think you're going to see that he's in a hot tub, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, it was the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's another one of the conflicts between the, the film producer and, and mm-hmm. Francis Ford Coppola is wh- what would the setting be? Would it be a hot tub? Would he yeah. be on a on an exercise bike? <laughs> what type of hot tub? Is it like the kind where it's uh, already like preloaded and you just jump in? Or is it one of those terrible ones you have to sit there for half an hour and let it fill <laughs> let up? It fill up. <laughs> well, this is a 70s, slower paced film. Yeah, it's true. People back then were more patient. What would be the most ridiculous setting that he would be in when the camera zoomed out? Um, I don't mean like a roller coaster. He's <laughs> like shaking <laughs> side to his, side. His hair's blowing in the wind. Um, they attacked her. <laughs> <laughs> or it'd be like the beginning of like uh, the Naked Gun or somewhere it like changes from location to like oh, first yeah. he's you know the in the. Uh... <laughs> so um. Yeah, he describes how the the assailants uh, beat her like an animal. Mm-hmm. 
And I think that's a little sign of what Mario Puzo, you know, being from the world of dogfighting, that's like his metaphors. What do you mean like, the world of dogfighting? Because Mario Puzo was, remember he owed all the money to the, to the dog dogfighting ring. Oh, that's right. He owed 20 grand. Yeah, he was so this is the kind of nomenclature that he, that he uses in the movie. Yeah, I just so. don't remember if it was dogfights. I thought it was something more simple for, for a simpler time. Oh, marbles? Yeah, or betting on the outcomes of right. movies or something. But I think it's funny that beat someone like an animal is is like a expression. Because like, clearly at some point animals, be, people beating animals was a common enough thing where that became like a, yeah. you know. Well, I guess their age, like bon- so this is the 40s, so Bonacera oh, and Corleone true. are, they when they were kids, they were probably on farms. Yeah. And so in animals Sicily. weren't seen yeah. as... It was a less humane time. Yeah, and plus really this, guy's a, this guy's a uh, corpse valet, so to him, life is cheap. Oh, life you know is cheap. I mean? Yep. It's like just, you're lucky if you're an animal and you're beaten. You could be on a slab somewhere. It could be worse. Could be worse. That's they, good... Does they, does Bonacera mention the the sentences these two? No, that's that's the that's, next. That's, oh the gosh, next I'm sorry, I'm jumping thing, ahead. Yeah, I do know that the story was so hard for him to tell that. He was he had to take a drink in the middle of the monologue. He was well, offered a drink. The wait, it was hard for the character or hard for the actor? The character. Okay. Well, maybe yeah. the actor too. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, because um, he was so like, oh, I gotta have my booze. He's like, you make it halfway through the monologue, we'll give you more <laughs> shot. Then you gotta finish the monologue, you'll get the next shot. So what you see is he's like, uh. and Coppola was probably he's probably doing going shot for shot considering the pressure he was under. He's like That's one true. shot for Bonacera, yeah. one shot for me, two for Bonacera, one two for me. Well, so you mentioned he someone hands him the shot, yeah. and I'm assuming that's Tom Hagen, probably because Tom Hagen, the Don's consigliere, is in the room. Right, we don't know it yet. Yeah. Um. So I, one of the things I really like about this scene is even though you now it's panning back a bit and you see he's in the office. You still don't see the faces of anyone else. You mm-hmm. see a hand come in from off screen and mm-hmm. hand him the drink, and you see in the immediate foreground, you see the enormous hand of Don Corleone yeah. gesturing. And especially considering that the iconic and super valuable logo features a puppet master hand, uh. it's interesting that the first thing we see of The Godfather is, in fact, a giant disembodied ham yeah excellent so uh oh masterful there you go how much do you think this was deliberate on the part of the director and all the other production people yeah i definitely think things like that were planned out and intentional and yeah they had to uh, and they're just they're so so well done although like you said originally it was going to open with you know the scene with her the assailants and old Mm -hmm. michael and Kay. so uh um so he says he wept Mm -hmm. why did he weep because, because his daughter would never it's be weird that he asked again. that like like yeah. why did you weep like, well, like yeah. you just told the story about your daughter getting beat up well so what is the difference between um weeping and crying oh that's that's a good one well weeping is i feel uncontrollable you think weeping is uncontrollable yeah. can you give an example of what that like would he, sound like like she oh how, how it sounds yeah like, <laughs> So there's like wailing. wailing. See, you said something, but I kept going. Okay. It was uncontrollable. So crying. So what would crying be? Uh, Crying is is, is more just the tear aspect of it. Oh, see, I would say the opposite. Really? Weeping is more subtle? Weeping to me sounds more gentle and poetic. Like it's like Mm. you're just kind of like... Hmm. 
Although I don't know. I think of while my guitar gently weeps. Mm, that's true. But, but he does have to say gently weeps. Yeah, that's true. Like it's not implied. So how it gently <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like whimpering. Well then we can talk I about did, oh, why did I whimper? <laughs> I think weeping sounds more dignified than crying. Yeah. Crying sounds like what children do. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas weeping is like what up what men do. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was, so it did, sometimes a strong man can cry. A strong man cries. <laughs> Wrong movie. Well, because then there's weeping, there's crying, and there's wailing. We have the sobbing. Sobbing. Sobbing is the worst. I think, like, blub- <laughs> I think blubbering <laughs> blub- <laughs> oh, is, blub- is the worst. <laughs> You're like, what happened to your daughter? She was on a date and the guy beat her up. The only kids blubber, I think. <laughs> think so? Oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. You just can't control oh, it. Oh, I know, yeah. I guess that's what sobbing is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have to keep our eyes open if there are any other points in this movie where... Someone is sobbing. Oh, I think there is. Oh, there's definitely. Yeah, yeah. There there's is. a lot of sobbing. A lot of sadness in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you pointed out that he asks, that Bonacera asks the question. Does he say, does why he ask, did I weep? Why did I weep? I don't, I don't think people do that anymore. That in the course of talking, sharing yeah. a story or monologue or in just a conversation, ask a question that's meant, that that's really. A rhetorical it's question. It's rhetorical, yeah. Because yeah. he doesn't expect it. Don't call Leon to jump in. You left because cause you're, cause <laughs> like you're a, a baby. Because you're willing. <laughs> it's like a logic problem. He's like, my daughter was beat up. She had a jaw wired shut. She used to be beautiful. And I wept. Why did I weep? <laughs> you've got three minutes. Here's the doctor some, is a woman. You've got, you've got some scratch paper. You've got three minutes. Show I'm gonna, your work. I'm going to have my drink while you work. Yeah. Turns the hourglass over. <laughs> so I'm going to try to do that more. Try to weep more? No, I'm going to try to ask more rhetorical questions mm. in the course of telling a story. When, why do I want to do that? Why? Because it adds... Oh, a, because because it adds, <laughs> oh, yeah, I shouldn't, have, I shouldn't have said why. I should have started explaining why you would do that. <laughs> no, so. that was a rhetorical question. Okay, okay. So, I have to get used to it. Yeah. You have to give me a well, chance. Well, I'd like you to try it too sometimes. Why do I want you to try it? Because it's well, a because good... Because you... Oh, see, I can't get it. <laughs> oh, well, we'll have to keep working at it. So, um, another thing this movie reminded me of, this scene reminded me of, mm-hmm. was um, in the film Ed Wood. Mm-hmm. I was just talking about that movie yesterday. I love that movie. It's a great movie. That is by far my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, Tim Norton movie. Mm-hmm. And it's my favorite uh, Johnny Depp movie. Oh, excellent. I guess Johnny Depp mostly works with... with yeah. uh, uh, with uh, Tim Burton. So um, why, does this, why does this remind you of Ed Wood? Am I supposed well, to answer wait, that? Yeah, yeah, that's not a rhetorical. Oh, okay. Uh, well, there's just, there's a scene where uh, at, where Bela Lugosi, played by the masterful Martin Landau, mm-hmm. that's like his Stan Lee name, masterful Martin Landau, <laughs> like how he was identified in the credits. Uh, mm-hmm. He had it's this monologue where he was, he was talking about how he was a disgraced scientist and he was all like at the bottom of his, you know, but then he came back and now he's so, it, it kind of is a similar like a uh, trajectory of this he starts out explaining a story it takes on a kind of wallowing self-pity in the middle but then as we're going to see in the coming minute he like he, that's where he gets angry at the end and mm. so he kind of goes through all the stages of uh of, of grief i guess oh that's so, great uh, yeah. anyway it's a great story it's a solid story it has all those elements yeah 
Neat. Do you know, interestingly, why I thought of Ed Wood yesterday and I was talking about it with some people? Well, I don't know how I would know that, but... No, no, that was... wasn't a rhetorical okay, question. Okay, okay. <laughs> and I don't know if you want to share this story now, but I was talking about the actor that played... Uh, who's the, the bald-headed character who's in all the Ed Wood movies? Uh, Tor Johnson. Tor Johnson. Is that the actor? That's the... Who was also George the Animal Steel? George Animal Steel played Tor Johnson in Ed Wood. And who is... Toward, who played Tor Johnson George, in the movie? George Animal Steel. Yeah, and what's his real name? George Steel. Is it really George Steel? Oh, I don't know. Oh, I <laughs> do thought, you know? Oh, no, I don't know. <laughs> oh, but okay. you told that story where you were at a comic book convention and George yes. Steele was there. Yeah. And there was an interaction with, with between Lou Ferrigno and George yeah. Steele. Do you want to tell the story why, now? Why don't you just tell it? Okay. If you're okay telling it, I don't... <laughs> I mean, it has nothing to do with this. No, like, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah, maybe we should... No, 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 I'll tell it. It's a great story. Um, I, uh, being a cartoonist, I used to go to a lot more comic book conventions. And uh, in addition to comics, they're frequently a target uh, place to go see celeb, like kind of celebrities, usually on their downward mm-hmm. slope of their career. It's a circuit that a lot of those yeah. former yeah. celebrities get going. Uh, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot of these shows mm-hmm. going, and uh, one person you see a lot of shows is Lou the Hulk Ferrigno, the original actor who played the Hulk. The, in the Lou show. the original Hulk Ferrigno, oh. who played the Hulk in the '70s show. Yeah, the, right. The, yeah, in that '70s. I show. heard the original '70s shows. They wanted to, to take place in the '40s. Oh really? Yeah, but they uh, but they it's they the didn't budget. want the Hulk continue to keep ripping out of those expensive oh. '40s costumes. <laughs> They're like, well, if we set it in the '40s, how are we going to have this hippie yeah. character in it? That is the. <laughs> um, so George, so Lou Ferrigno was someone you saw a lot at these uh, shows because mm-hmm. I guess he doesn't have didn't have a lot going on, and he was just kind of like so. So by that point, everyone who had Lou Ferrigno's autograph probably had ample chance to get it. Mm-hmm. George Animal Steel, however, was a wrestler who was uh, popular in the 80s, and he was kind of a freaky guy. Like, his gimmick was that, you know, he had a bald head and with a, a green tongue, back and right? a green tongue. And, you know, yeah. So, um, I remember seeing him wrestle, and it was always awesome. Yeah, he would eat the turnbuckle. So crazy, yeah. <laughs> so, George Animal Steel is doing an appearance at this show, but he was only going to be there for, like, two hours. Mm-hmm. Lou Ferrigno was there the whole, you know, four days or whatever. So, Lou Ferrigno has his booth set up. With big Lou Ferrigno like logo behind mm-hmm. him, and next to him is the George Animal Steel. Oh, right next door. Like that's where his booth is going to be. And there's a big George Animal Steel logo, and he's not there yet because yeah. you know. So he shows up, and everyone's like George Animal Steel. He has a big line, and like very popular. Yeah, he was very popular. Was, yeah, you know, he was busy the whole time he was there. Next to him, Lou Ferrigno was just kind of like looking over, somewhat enviously. Because he didn't have very many. Yeah, there was no one, there no one him. coming to talk mm-hmm, to him. Mm-hmm. And uh, so Lou Ferrigno's thing also was that when you go to get a picture taken with, you go to, you pay money to get your picture taken with him. And he had a kind of standard pose where he would shake, he would shake the right hand of the get like the person who paid the money, mm-hmm. and with his left hand he would give a thumbs up. Okay, and he would look at the camera every like, time he would do he that. Was, Seemed to be his only pose oh, that he had. It's almost like, I give the Lou Ferrigno seal of approval to yeah. this guy. Thumbs up, says Lou Ferrigno. Maybe that's a way to for him to sort out if there are imposters out there. If they're not doing that pose, he, he knows that oh, he's like, don't accept him. any invitators. Yeah. Oh, get the Lou Ferrigno author. If they don't, if there's not a thumbs up handshake, it's not a Lou Ferrigno <laughs> original. Yeah, and you don't want to be a Lou Ferrigno imposter because that makes him very angry. <laughs> you would not like it when he's angry. <laughs> Oh. So he's watching this long line. Of so, but George, George Animal, Animal Steel, Steel, when he does autographs, 
like a kid would come up and say, oh, can I get my picture taken with you? And he'd be like, sure. He used to be an English professor. Oh, really? George Animal Steel, yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, he would go and like get the kid in a headlock, like really like you know rough people up like in a fun way <laughs> not like they'll slam you down on the ground but like whoa you can't you're like boy you can really get sued yeah. you know, uh, but everyone loved it george the animal lawsuit <laughs> pile driving kids there's yeah. a whole there's a whole pile of kids next to the <laughs> <All> like <laughs> wailing blubbering so uh so there was a big line for george animal steel eventually like they said okay this is your last person online last person i went and had a i didn't have a picture taken with him but i did have him sign a a, oh cool a photograph for a friend if you would have gotten a picture what would pose would you have wanted to get with him i i don't i think he kind of oh he was he kind of dictated whatever the pose like he's like i'm gonna put you in whatever position i'm gonna i'm gonna give you a clothesline i'm gonna come running at you (laughs) you stand here (laughs) well i guess i would have to say like i'm is he allowed to do the camel clutch i think that's a trademark is the iron sheik has the trademark of that so uh i'll say i say i want him to fly off the turnbuckle and land on top okay yeah the picture would be taken right when he's like the <laughs> right at the point of impact. Where, and you had a, a booth. Where was your booth? At, we, I was like uh, maybe across the aisle, maybe like oh, hundred so feet away. You had a perfect view of all. Yeah. This. Oh yeah. We could totally totally watching this whole so thing. You, and we had no customers, so we had nothing better to no, do you than were, just watch. And so you animals. were looking enviously at Lou Ferrigno's <laughs> small line. <laughs> yeah. So who was looking enviously at your line? I don't know. Some guy, I guess, who had to be giving money out to people. Yeah. You couldn't have any less customers than us. Or is George Animal Steel? Oh, he's like because he was like. I'm, I'm so busy. I'm all tired. Oh, okay. yeah, or he probably, was probably yeah. overwhelmed by all the lawsuits. So he's longingly <laughs> like looking at your simple food. life of a cartoonist. <laughs> so I've, then George the Animal Steel finishes and he leaves with his entourage. And then it's just, you know, like just scraps of paper and like, like a tornado had pulled through it just and then uh, so after a couple of minutes, Lou Ferrigno <laughs> stands up and like, you know, walks the three feet over to where George the Animal Steel was and like rips his banner down. Oh, ironically, Mateo takes Banner down. <laughs> so, like, you could tell that whole time he'd been simmering, like, oh, and then he went over, you know, oh. pulled it down, like, stuffed it in the garbage can. <laughs> Poor Lou. Great story. I, I, I envision that. It's it's barren. All the other boothsters are gone. You're packing up, leaving. It's, like, people sweeping up, and he goes over. Well, He's looking around, make sure no one sees it. <laughs> Just, well, I think, well, it wasn't at the end of the show. Oh, people are still there? Yeah, like Lou Ferrigno, George Animal Steel was there from like 2 to 4 o'clock, and the show still went mm-hmm. on to like 7 o'clock. Mm-hmm. I think maybe he took it down because he was maybe sick of people coming over and saying, oh, oh. when is George Animal Steel going to be here? <laughs> that would like, be annoying. <laughs> that would be even worse. Worse than having no line is people coming here. You see someone coming over, and you're like, oh, good, a customer at least. My dignity is saved. Well, and, and then, there were probably a handful of people that went up to his booth and said, oh, hey, George Animal Steel, can you do this <laughs> yeah, pose? you look great. <laughs> <laughs> so he was bugged that not only did they think he was George Animal Steel, but they expected him to do a different pose than his signature. Oh yeah, up they're like, wait a minute, you're this is a Lou Ferrigno pose you're doing. <laughs> yeah, because George Animal Steel would never do that pose. Well, he doesn't want to get sued. He, he already has enough lawsuits without without a copyright. All the kids. Uh, Paramount Pictures said it was Lou Ferrigno's most valuable asset oh. was his thumbs up gesture. <laughs> He tried to sue Roger Ebert for stealing his oh, his, thumbs up, oh his thumbs up lines. So, uh, yeah, because if you look closely, yeah. Roger Ebert and Roger Ebert lost that lawsuit. Yeah. If you look closely, 
um, his thumb, he he kind of moved the the first joint just slightly. Yeah. He had to alter the thumbs up a little bit so that oh, it was different like, enough yeah. that people didn't mistake him yeah. for Lou Ferrigno giving a thumbs up to him. Right. Well, it's funny actually because Lou Ferrigno himself was the victim of a lawsuit. Really? Because the Fonz. Is it George Animal Steel? No, the, the Fonz sued him because the Fonz is the one who invented the oh thumbs up gosh. gesture. But the Fonz had the double thumbs well, up. Well, I know. That's, that's what he said. Because the, but, so the, the lawsuit was basically Lou Ferrigno, you can only do a left handed thumbs oh, up. Oh, gosh. Like you can't do two thumbs up, that's Fonz. Okay. And so, uh, so there you oh, That's fair. Yeah. You'd think that a thumbs up would be in public domain by now. Uh, it's funny. We'll look at a you know a puppet master doing strings. You think that would be a public? Mean, every, there, is there is there anything that is not trademark? <sighs> lawyers, man. Those lawyers running it all. Thanks a lot, Tom Hagen. So when Lou Ferrigno, so when yeah Lou Ferrigno, so when the Fonz sued Lou Ferrigno, he yeah. wanted a million dollars, but because Lou Ferrigno only had one thumbs up, the judge only gave him five hundred grand. Right? Yeah. So it was, yeah. like, it was like a compromise. Yeah, that's exactly and, and right. And from now on, he could only do that. Yeah. He was like, he purchased the right to do that pose for 500 grand. Yeah. Well, thanks for telling that story. I oh, think well, that good. is a fantastic <laughs> story. <laughs> Very little to do with the movie, but who knows? <laughs> the only other the thing I'd like to add is I feel like if you were going to pay George Animal Steel to do a move to you, he should have jumped off of his booth, uh, do like a super fly move, through your booth onto you oh so, onto like, my so table and onto stuff? your table like wow, breaking your booth awesome. yeah. Yeah. I thought you were going to say the Lou Ferrigno's table <laughs> <laughs> I wanted him to pick me up and throw me at Lou Ferrigno <laughs> that would have been a lawsuit wait for yeah. who me sue me someone <laughs> yeah. but I know a good uh, attorney his name is Tom Hagen oh yeah Oh, never mind. He only works with one client. Oh, well, I because yeah, I know all the big lawyers in New York, and yeah. I've never heard of him. So, Anyway, so that wraps up, I guess, Minute 3, unless you have anything else. The only thing to add is, and so Francis Ford Coppola famously had a, uh, a notebook with him that he used during the entire filming of Godfather. Mm-hmm. And he wrote notes, things he wanted to focus on. And in the margin in this scene, he had written, quote, power, 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 power. Never forget that it is from a fascination of the limits and manipulations of power that keep people interested in this book. Hmm. Interesting. The book is about power. He wrote it four times in all caps. Specifically for the scene. Or just yes. as a just well, as a kind of general. Well, it was in the margin of this of the huh. screenplay in this scene. It's weird. Which is really interesting. It makes sense it's the beginning of the movie. Yeah. And maybe that was a reminder to not show the Godfather too soon is holding off on showing him right. there's this anticipation yeah. there's this storytelling uh, you, yeah. you saw the godfather font but you haven't the character himself hasn't been revealed you heard his theme song already you heard his theme his signature yeah. theme song yeah yeah i'm just wondering if power uh, power if by the time it zooms out will it really be the godfather or, or will it be another character how long will they put off that's the, the hippie character <laughs> <laughs> he turns around, looks at the camera, he's like, "Peace, man." Peace, man. Sorry, your <laughs> daughter. Sorry, right? your daughter got beat up, man. But you should love him. Forgive him. Love him. Real heavy trip. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, minute three. That's all I got. What? How? What did you think about the minute? I lo- I really liked the minute. I mm-hmm. I 
the first, the previous minute and this minute, I think are fives. I think this storytelling. It's really like part of a trilogy. Of it minutes. is. Yeah. The next minute will be yeah. the third. So that's why I give this one slightly less because mm. it's kind of act two of the story. Okay. I get it's, it. You know, mm-hmm. although it is, the, it is the, the violent part. Yeah, that's true. So, uh, although there is the pause for him to take the drink, which, yeah. which is a pause in the drama in some ways. Yeah. Gives, gives the audience time to think. I'm going to give this one a four. I agree with you. I'll give it a four. Or did I give the last? No, the first one I gave five. Yeah. Minute two I gave five. So this one I'm going to give four. I'll give it a four. Now, how do, how would you rate our assessment of minute three? Um, I think my George the Animal Steel story went well. It was a, it was a total hit. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and get, we had some good information. Not too, it was a combination of personal stories about George Animal Steel, riffing on Lou Ferrigno, mm-hmm. and some Godfather information. So I'm going to give, I think that was a solid four. I, I I agree with you. Factoids combined with a little bit of a little bit of digression. Yep. And so uh, I was going to give it two thumbs up, but I don't want to be sued oh, by no. the Fonz or Lou Ferrigno or yeah. George the Animal Steel or Paul anything. McCartney too. Paul McCartney soon. Paul McCartney leases the the use of the thumbs up gesture. Does he from, really from Fonz? How much does it cost? Uh, I think sixty four dollars per use per thumb up per thumb up. Yeah. So if. So the Fonz already has a trademark on, hey, yeah. what is Paul McCartney's vocal, his audio accompaniment to the thumbs up? Uh, he does the thumbs up and he raises his eyebrows and goes, oh, and shakes excellent. his head slightly from awesome. side to side. You know, what, classic Paul McCartney. Yeah, he move. built on the, the yeah. shoulders of giants. He shoulders built on, although of actually giants. he probably did that before Godfather was made, right? Yeah, but it's because of like... It's you know how Michael Jackson owns the rights to their song. Yeah. It's like that. Somehow oh, they got cheated out of it. It comes back to the lawyers, it's, doesn't oh, it? Every th- and so Lou Ferrigno has rights to his thumbs up? To the left-handed thumbs. Left hand only. Got yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. And George Animal Steel has rights to a green tongue. Yeah, unfortunately he has passed away. So he got mm. he was handled by a corpse valet mm. who painted his tongue green as a final uh final gesture. Goodbye, wrestling funny man. They threw his coffin into a turnbuckle and <laughs> slammed if it into I were a hole in, in the ground. If I were a wrestler, I would put in my will that they would have to wheel me out for one final match. Yeah. Like I'd just be a corpse, but they would incorporate me into some WWF. Wow. That's match. uh have you ever heard that thing. story about a there was an actor who willed his head, his skull to a theater company so no. that when they did Hamlet. Oh my gosh. He was like, oh every time they do Hamlet it'll be my skull in the That in is the show. awesome. Did it work did it I, happen? I think it's a true story. Oh that's fantastic. So uh there was a story where I just read this in the past year uh, mm-hmm. where some some orchestra performance, maybe at Lincoln Center in New York, uh, had had to be halted and the whole theater evacuated because on one of the chairs near the pit, they found maybe during the intermission some white powder. Yeah. And so... Is this they, a true story? This is a true story. Okay. Absolutely true story. Yeah. And so they evacuated the whole show and I think they just didn't bring people out back in because they didn't know what it was. They did a test on it. It was human remains... Long story short, they did some old Dick Tracy work, and they found out that it was, they belonged to a woman, I think, who had died, and one of her friends, after cremating her... Oh, so she said, I want my ashes left in Lincoln Center. not just Lincoln Center, in a bunch of theaters. Ah. And so he went traveling around and doing it, and he said he meant no harm, and he didn't even think that it would yeah. be some type of anthrax scare, but... Wow. Dude, come on, you go into Midtown Manhattan, dropping white powder on a chair? Yeah, it's and a, then dis- you know, public, a little you know, disappearing public, uh, yeah, yeah, that's... 
I'm talking, there's a lawsuit. You're asking for trouble. Yeah. So anyway, I think the, this was another strong minute. I'm looking forward to the next one, to the part three of the trilogy of Buenos Aires speech. Mm-hmm. And uh, so until then, leave, leave the, gun, the gun and take, take the, the cannoli. cannoli.